0: Okay, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 35, please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read, beginning in verse 35. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Thank you. baby, may be seated. So today, today's message is entitled, Serving Others... Serving Christ, serving others, serving Christ. Now, I want to point out from the passage here. If you look up in verse, if you look up in verse 34, uh, it's a king. It's a king that's announcing this. It's a king that's saying, "I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink." It was a king. So I knew I needed to tell a story about a king. So there was these uh, two people. They were friends, and they were driving through Kentucky. And in fact, they drove through the city of Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. I used to live there. Well, anyway, as they were going through, they began to argue with how to pronounce Louisville. The one said, it's Louisville. The other one said, no, it's Louisville. It's Louisville. So they're arguing back and forth, arguing back and forth. And they didn't make any headway with each other. So finally, it was time for lunch. So they pull into a restaurant. And when they get in the restaurant, they go up to the counter. And when the cashier says, let me take your order, uh, the person says, wait, you need to settle an argument for us. We are arguing how to pronounce the name of this place. Please tell us what is the name of this place. And when you tell us, I want you to pronounce it very slowly. What is the name of this place? The cashier says, Burger King. (laughs) Let's look this morning at serving others, serving Christ. First of all, looking at the appreciation. The king is grateful. Again, in verse 34, we know this is a king that is making this announcement. The king is grateful. Now, who is the king? Well, the king is none other than Jesus himself. In fact, if you look in verse 31, he calls himself the son of man. So whether it's Jesus, the son of man, or king, doesn't really matter. It's all the same person. And I want you to know that the setting of this story is eschatological. Now, that's a big word that means end times. The setting of this story is the end times. How do we know that? Well, notice in verse 31 he refers to his return on earth. And secondly, he noticed, he refers in verse 32 to his judgment on the nations. Let me read 31 and 32. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep uh, from the goats. And so anyway, the king is grateful. The king is Jesus. He calls himself the Son of Man. The setting is eschatological. This has to do with, the future times. But what does the king say? He says, well, I was needy, and you met my need. He said, I was hungry, I needed food. I was thirsty, and I needed drink. I was homeless, I needed shelter. I was naked, I needed clothing. I was ill and imprisoned, needing companionship. Now, it certainly seems strange to me from this story that a king would be needy. I don't know if that strikes you as a little strange there. A king would be needing food, a king would be needing something to drink, a king would be needing clothing. But in the story that's exactly how it goes. And notice if you know the rest of the story, not only is the king needy but the righteous people met the king's needs. It was the righteous ones who met his needs. Now who are the righteous in this story? Well the righteous are believers in Jesus Christ also here called sheep. If you look in verse 32 and verse 33 as the sheep are being divided, separated from the goats these believers are also called sheep. And we know that sheep follow their shepherd Jesus. So the righteous are believers in Christ. Now we all know we are not righteous in and of ourselves. There is nobody in this room. The Bible says there is none righteous, no not one. And so we are not righteous in and of ourselves but we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us by grace through faith. Paul talks about that in Romans 4.24. He says, but for us also to whom it, he's referring to righteousness, shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. The bottom line of this story, we live in a needy world. Everywhere you look, we live in a needy world. Some have material needs like talked about here. Some have emotional or mental needs, but we live in a needy world. And by the way, that's never going away from this world because Jesus said we're always going to have the needy with us. Look what he says here in John chapter 12 and verse 8, for the poor always you have with you, but me you don't have always. Now the reason he said that, he was getting ready to go to the cross and following the cross he was going to send back into heaven. So he says you're always going to have the poor, you're always going to have the needy. That's part of living in a sin-cursed world, you're always going to have the needy. He said, but you're not always going to have me. So we live in a needy world, whether it's material needs, emotional needs, mental needs. I heard one time, and somebody actually made a contemporary Christian song about this. I think Matthew West did. But it was this poem. And this person was looking around at all the needs around him and all the needs in the world. And he said, God, how can you let this go on? I mean, there's people starving, and there's people that need clothes, and there's people that are homeless and so on. Why don't you do something about this? And God answers, I did. I created you. And so that's what we're going to learn today, that yes, we live in a needy world. But there is something that can be done about those needs. And that's where you and I are to step up to the plate and help meet those needs. So we see the appreciation. The king says, I am so thankful. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I didn't have any clothes. You gave me clothing. I didn't have a place to stay. You came and visited me. And so that's the appreciation. But secondly, I want us to look at the confusion. Because the righteous can't recall ever seeing the king in need. Again, like I said, uh, what needs does a king have anyway? And so the righteous say, you know, we don't actually remember this, so why don't you tell us when this happened? If you look in verse 37, it says, then the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you to drink? When did this happen? They want to know. Why don't they know? Because the righteous, believers in Christ, we are in the habit of meeting people's needs. That's what we do. That's who we are. We are in the habit of meeting people's needs. And so when we do it, we don't even think about it. It's just who we are. It's just what we do. And we meet people's needs out of compassion and concern. I've shared this with you before, but when we see the word compassion in the Bible, that refers to an inward churning that results in outward action. And so it's not just that you and I, we see somebody in need and we feel bad. Yes, we feel bad, but then we leap into action. We do something about it. And so compassion is an internal churning that results in action. And God gives his people compassion for others. And so the righteous meet people's needs out of compassion and concern and also with no expectation of reward or reimbursement. We don't meet people's needs thinking, well, you know, they'll pay me back. That's not why we do it. That's not why we do it. Because we're like our Heavenly Father. He is compassionate towards us, and so we are compassionate towards others. And meeting needs is what the righteous do. We are known for feeding the hungry. We are known for quenching the thirsty. We are known for sheltering the homeless. By the way, when it comes to sheltering the homeless, this is not just finding them a place, but giving them our place. We're specifically instructed in this idea of helping the homeless. You probably know this verse out of Hebrews, Hebrews 13 two. It says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And the idea of entertaining strangers is inviting them into your home. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And so we are ones feeding the hungry. We are quenching the thirsty. We are sheltering the homeless. We are clothing the naked. We are visiting the sick and incarcerated. And let me say this too, that the king's list here is representative, not exhaustive. The king's list of food and water and clothes and so on, that's just representative. It's not exhaustive. For instance, in our day and time, somebody may may need gasoline to get to work. Somebody may need money to buy medicine to help them with their condition. And so that's why I'm saying what the king says, this is just representative of needs that people have. It's not exhaustive. This is not the only needs that we should be meeting. And as the righteous, as believers, we serve others with sincerity, again out of concern and compassion. We serve others with generosity, we are generous with the things that God has given us to give to others. In fact, look what Proverbs 19.17 says, he that has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and that which he has given will he pay him again. And so we serve others with sincerity, with generosity, with hospitality, with alacrity. And if you don't know what the word alacrity means, that means eagerness. In other words, we don't do it because we feel guilted into it. We do it because that's who we are. We do it because that's what the righteous do. God has given us a desire. He's given us a a compassion for others. And so when we see others in need, we want to do something about it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to note that the unrighteous, so we talked about the righteous. They're the ones out meeting the needs. The unrighteous do not help others altruistically. Now, when I say altruistically, I mean uh, the righteous do it because it's the right thing to do. We want to do it. There may be unbelievers, there may be the unrighteous who help others in need too, but they don't do it altruistically. They are selfish, they are unconcerned. And look in verse 41, they are condemned. It says there, then shall he say to them on his left hand, depart from me you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so you've got the righteous or the sheep, they're the ones altruistically meeting the needs of others, then you've got these the goats, the unbelievers, and they're selfish. They're unconcerned. And ultimately, they're condemned. And notice this condemnation from verse 41. First of all, they're separated. They're separated. Uh, the king says in verse 41, depart from me. They are separated. Secondly, they are scorched. They are separated from God into everlasting fire. They're scorched. And then thirdly, notice, they are sentenced. They are sentenced to spend eternity with the devil and his angels. My friends, this is not somewhere you want to be. You don't want to be separated from the King Jesus. You don't want to be scorched forever and ever and ever. And you don't want to be sentenced to spend the rest of eternity with Satan and demons. But indeed, that's what happens to the unrighteous. That's what happens to the goats. That's what happens to the unbelievers. So today, we've seen the appreciation The king said, I'm so happy. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I didn't have any clothes, you gave me clothes to wear. He was so appreciative. And then we looked at the confusion. The righteous people, the believers, said, we don't remember seeing that. We don't remember helping you. And so let's look at the explanation. The king had no personal needs, as expected. I mean, what king needs food? What king needs clothing, right? And so the king had no personal needs, So the righteous had actually not met the king's personal needs, but the righteous had met the needs of the king's subjects. Their service naturally flowed from their relationship to the king. Because these people had a personal relationship with the king, they knew him, so they were just reaching out and helping the subjects of the kingdom. It just naturally flowed. And notice the king was pleased with what they did. The king was appreciative of what they did and the king was generous for what they did. In fact, look in verse 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. The king is generous. He says, I want to give them eternal life. And we know what that means. That means we will spend eternity with the king in heaven. So remember my friends, when we serve others, we serve the king. But there's a flip side to that. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 8.12. When we harm others, we harm the king. Here's the reference, 1 Corinthians 8.12. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And so when we serve others, we serve Christ. When we harm others, we harm Christ. So we see the appreciation we see the confusion. We see the explanation. And now, lastly, let's look at the application. Though the setting of this story is eschatological, meaning future end times, even though the setting is eschatological, the principles of generosity apply to all time periods. And so, yes, this is something that will happen off in the future, but it applies right now. Meeting people's needs, reaching out, helping others, it applies right now. When we meet the needs of others, we meet the needs of the king. Those who belong to the king, he calls them his brethren. Let me read verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Truly I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Who are his brethren? His brethren are subjects of the kingdom. Now our deacons are rightly seeking to meet the needs of fellow believers, fellow church members. They want to do that. And quite honestly, we don't know who is a subject of the kingdom. We don't know who will become a subject of the kingdom. So it used to be our deacons would just, when somebody called the church or somebody showed up and said, you know, we have a need, uh, we'd talk about it and we'd pay this bill or pay that bill or whatever the case might be, uh, not really knowing whether this person is a subject of the kingdom, not really knowing if this person is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We would just take their word for it. But now, you know, it's been announced and it's in, the, it's in the, the bulletin and copies are available in the office. You can get a hold of it. Our deacons have adopted some new guidelines whereby we're saying, you know what? We're not just going to take money and just give it to who knows who. We need to be more careful. And while it's true that we don't know who is a subject of the kingdom and we don't know who will become a subject of the kingdom since we don't know We offer the food distribution and the food pantry to everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what color, we don't care any of that. We will provide food. However, further assistance we are reserving just for the church family only. We must be generous, but on the other hand, we must be responsible. We must be responsible. Again, if you want to read those guidelines for yourself, and you can even comment on them, they are available in the office. I have a copy at home, but I can get it to you. I can email it to you. If you want to know what the deacons are proposing, how they're going to, from this day forward, how we are going to deal with needs that come up in the church, if you are a regular church attender, a member of this church, we're going to do everything we can to help whatever need you have. If it's just somebody off the street we've never seen before, never met before, we're going to be a little more careful in how we distribute the funds that God has made available to us. And how does God make those funds available? Through you. I mentioned that at the end of this service there's going to be a deacon at both doors and they're going to be holding a plate and that's your opportunity to contribute to the monies that we use to help others who are in need. Bottom line, believers should be in the business of meeting people's needs. We should be, everyone who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be in the business of meeting people's needs. First of all, collectively, as a group, we should be all about meeting people's needs. That's why as Southern Baptists, we support the world hunger offering. That's why at First Baptist, we have the food pantry and the Wednesday food distribution. We also support missionaries, and many of our missionaries in in arid lands, they drill wells. Now, why would a missionary go and drill wells? Because people need water. As far as the homeless go, once a year, our church hosts the homeless in the back there in the fellowship hall uh, through lifestyles, and lifestyles uh, sets everything up, and we have showers here, we have a kitchen here, and they bring their beds, and we house the homeless. As far as visiting people that that are sick or visiting people that are in jail, that's what your pastor does, that's what your deacons do, that's what some of your ladies here do. And so we ought to be about the business collectively, and we are collectively meeting people's needs. When I thought about that, I thought about hospitals that have been founded for Christ. You know, no matter where you go, there's a Baptist hospital, there's a Methodist hospital, there's a Presbyterian hospital, whatever. There's all these hospitals that have been founded for Christ, all these denominational hospitals. And you know who has more hospitals than anybody else, Christian hospitals? The Catholics. Now, we're not going to get talking about Catholic theology today, but I want you to know there are more Catholic hospitals out there that were founded for Christ than any other Christian group out there. And I researched this this week. I already knew the answer, but I researched it. There are very few hospitals that have been founded for Muhammad. There are very few hospitals that have been founded for Buddha. But Christians took this passage seriously. They said, we need to meet people's needs. And as a result, Christians have built... Tremendous hospitals around the world to help meet people's needs. And so believers need to be in the business of meeting needs collectively, but also individually. Don't say, well, you know, my church takes care of world hunger, or my church houses the homeless uh, for one week out of the year, and so I don't have any responsibility. No, we need to be about it collectively, but we need to be about it individually, too. And let me ask you this morning, How is your service to others? You, personally, how is your service to others? Paul addresses this in Galatians 6.10. He says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so it says, help everybody, but especially those who are believers. And this really follows right along with what I told you about our deacons. Our deacons want to help everybody, but especially folks with whom we are intimately familiar are either church members or church attenders. But as I shared in the children's message, meeting the physical needs of others is not an end in itself. We must seek to meet their spiritual needs as well. It's great that you give somebody food, but they're going to be hungry again later. It's great that you give them clothes, but the clothes are going to wear out or they're going to outgrow them or whatever the case might be. But we can give them something that lasts forever, and that's to meet their spiritual needs. And do you realize that every single person, every single person in the world right now that ever has lived or that ever will live, every single person needs a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Every single person. You may not be hungry. You may not be thirsty. You may not need clothes. But you need Jesus Christ. Every single person does. And the only way to meet that need is for the person to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, believing he died on the cross to pay for their sins, that he was buried for their sins, and the third day he rose again from the dead. And so meeting material needs opens the door for us to share the gospel. Because when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, yes, they might be hungry, they might need clothes, they might be thirsty, they might need a place to live, whatever the case might be, when we meet their material needs, that gives us an opportunity to meet their spiritual needs. Does that really help? Yes, it does. For the hungry, Jesus is the bread of life. For the thirsty, Jesus offers living water. For the homeless, Jesus offers many mansions. For the naked, Jesus clothes us in his righteousness. For the lonely, Jesus promises to be with us always and to never leave us or forsake us. When we meet their spiritual needs, does it help? You better believe it helps. But we use their material needs as an opportunity to share with them what they truly need. And that is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But let me turn negative just for a moment. What keeps us from reaching out to the needy as a church or as individuals? What keeps us from reaching out and helping others? We see people that are needy. Why do sometimes we say, ah, not going to do it? Could it be cynicism? Well, are they truly needy are they just trying to trick me? They're just trying to trick me out of some money. They're trying to trick me out of a dinner. It's true. We must rightly balance service with stewardship. And that's what I told you our deacons are trying to do. We're trying to help people, but we have to be good stewards of the funds that we have been entrusted. So cynicism might keep us from reaching out to others. Could it be self-righteousness? Let me show you a verse in the Bible, Psalm 37, 25, David writes, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It seems to say if you are a believer, if you are one of the righteous, uh, you'll never have any needs. Well, let me tell you what, God's people do have needs. God's people do have needs. And if we don't meet their needs, God's other people are going to meet their needs. But it might be self-righteousness. We say, well, if that person were really a believer, they wouldn't have any needs. Not so. Or could it be judgmentalism? Could that be one reason why we don't reach out to those that are needy? Judgmentalism. Well, they brought it on themselves. They made a dumb decision, and now they made that bed, they need to sleep in it my friends, let's not be condemning from cynicism or self-righteousness or judgmentalism. These needy people must matter to us. You know why? Because they matter to the king. We wouldn't have this story in the Bible if it weren't true. They matter to the king, so they need to matter to us. So we've seen this morning the appreciation the king says, I'm so thankful. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I didn't have any clothes. You gave me clothes to wear. I didn't have a place to stay. You, you came visit me and so on. He was so appreciative. The king, we see his appreciation. Then, secondly, we see the confusion. The righteous said, we, I, we don't remember seeing you, the king, hungry, thirsty, no clothes. We don't remember that. And the king explains. And the explanation is, when you do it for others, you've done it to me. So we know that. This applies to all of us. As believers, collectively, and individually, we need to be about the business of helping to meet people's needs. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ here today, you're being challenged. Get busy and meet the needs of those you see around you. And maybe it's too big for you. That's okay. Maybe you need to get with our deacons, get with me, and maybe we can help you. Or maybe it's just too big for all of us. We need to be about the business of meeting people's needs. That's who we are. That's what we do. But you could be here today, and you're not among the righteous. You're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you you go to church, and you put money in the offering plate, but there's never been a point in your life where you invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Savior. Believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried for your sins, that he rose again a third day for you. Well, before you worry about meeting other people's needs, let Jesus Christ meet your spiritual needs right here, right now, today. Receive him as Savior. And then having received him, it's time to get busy. See the needs around you and in doing all you can do to meet those needs. And if you need help, There's help available, there's help. We can help you meet the needs of those whom God places on your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of today's message. We'd rather just be selfish and greedy and just keep everything we have to ourselves, but we know that everything we have has come from you. It's just loaned to us. Use us to loan. Get to others. Use us to meet their needs collectively. Use us to meet their needs individually. But we never may we never just meet their needs and forget to tell them about Jesus. They need Jesus more than they need anything else. And there may be some right now listening who've never received Christ as Savior. Give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. For the rest of us, we've been challenged. We've been challenged. May we go forth. And share Christ with a lost and dying and needy world. In Jesus' name.